0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Most Likely to Read. We are your hosts, Mika and Ashley, and today we're going to discuss 1984 by George Orwell. This dystopian science fiction novel was written over 70 years ago, and it offers Orwell's chilling warning about the future. It couldn't be more apropos than it is today, as it is about a government that will do anything to control the narrative. 1984 introduced the watchwords for life without freedom. Big Brother is watching you. And so we don't want to give too much
1: away. So we're going to keep the summary brief. So the book, which is set in 1984, portrays the main character, Winston Smith, wrestling with oppression in Oceania, a place where the party scrutinizes human actions with ever watchful Big Brother. Individuality is banned in this society. Winston, however, dares to express his thoughts in a diary and pursues a relationship with a woman named Julia. These criminal deeds bring Winston into the eye of the opposition, who then must reform this nonconformist. So for everyone who needs to know if there's a link to an actual setting or if this is just some made up world, I can tell you that in the book, Oceania used to be a part of Great Britain, but it's now one of three totalitarian superstates that rule the world, if you can envision that. And it's ruled by the party under the ideology of Ingsoc, which is short for English socialism. So prior to reading this, this is the first time I ever read this. I read it as an adult. I, I never had to read it in school. Uh, my teacher assigned Animal Farm, which was especially confusing for me as a ninth grader. And after reading 1984, I'm super mad that it took me this long to read this book.
0: So I had a similar experience. We read Animal Farm in high school. We did not read 1984. And I also did not get that one as a ninth grader. Uh, but I do wish we had actually read 1984. But I don't know if I still would have fully appreciated it as a high school student. Um I think it might have made me a little bit more paranoid or more into conspiracy theories in general, but I did enjoy reading it as an adult. It just made me question. Everything. Uh, yeah, everything. Exactly. Absolutely
1: everything. Okay, so for this podcast, we're going to do our critical moments.
0: Okay. So we've done these before. So we'll start with uh, the critical moment. These are the critical moments that support the author's message. So we'll start with the setting. What about the setting stood out to you? So I feel like
1: you're indoctrinated from the very beginning. Yeah. There's pictures of Big Brother everywhere. The phrases, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. It's repeated three times in the first two chapters alone. Yeah, Orwell did a good job with that. Yes. it. And when I say there's pictures of Big Brother everywhere, there's not pictures in the book. It's just you can't stop visualizing yeah. that through his words, he makes you... think that you are constantly being watched and that the eyes are always watching you. Mm -hmm. And there is no escape. Nothing is your own except for a few small cubic centimeters
0: inside of your brain. That's It, it. And even that is monitored by the thought police in some way, which is pretty weird to think about, but it was a bleak setting for sure. But the contrast between the different groups within the society was very unsettling. And it was also a very vivid part of the novel. Um, I think Orwell did a really good job of painting a very clear picture of the haves and the have-nots, with the haves having even more privileges than usual, such as the ability to turn off the TV announcements, which I found fascinating. Uh, It provided a certain amount of freedom that others could not have, uh, which honestly isn't a whole lot different from some things now. And if you think about the TV announcements, the
1: TV announcements were constantly- On. Yes. And they could not be turned up. They were 20, it's 24-7 news. Yeah. The way that we're used to receiving news now. Now. 20 years ago, news was not 24-7. You had to wait until the seven or eight o'clock news came on at night to find out what happened during the day. But this was indoctrination all the time.
0: From the very first words, you are exactly right about that. Yep. So let's talk about the action moments or scenes and their significance. What stood out to you about certain moments? I think my big aha was the fact that Orwell
1: kind of inserted a book within a book. So all of this is based off the premise of this man, Goldstein, who had written this book that contained all their rules for society. So this is kind of where I began to think of this as a puzzle and felt like I was missing a really big piece. Like I just really wanted to read Goldstein's book and what he actually wrote about the Brotherhood. Yeah and resisting the party if he was such an enemy to the state where is his writing because mm-hmm. it doesn't mention that and i know that the party erases and rewrites history but the conspiracy theorist in me
0: thinks that the book is somewhere and is purposely being withheld and i think orwell did that on purpose you know like he created that that sense in the book like you don't know all of the information and you're not going to know all of the information because that's what the party does.
1: It's like the the president's secret book. I'm air quoting and you yeah. guys can't see me, but <laughs> you, you know the book that's supposed to contain everything from Area 51 to-
0: Like a national treasure. Yes, a yeah. national <laughs> treasure, perfect.
1: And like the assassination of John F. Kennedy and everything like that. I feel like somewhere that book is
0: hidden and we just need to find it. Yeah. So for me, it was the prison situation towards the end of the book. Um, There were lots of significant moments, but that prison stint that Winston has to go through really stands out. And I think the reason why is because you really see the machine of Big Brother at work. Uh, This is where Big Brother breaks Winston. And even though it happens at the end of the novel, it, it makes the entire novel. And those rats, oh my god, like I still... It gives me goosebumps just thinking about that section and the writing in that section. I mean, Ugh. he did such a good job of communicating the terror that Winston felt and and you feel it when you read it. It's through the whole book.
1: It's from it's yeah. just like from that beginning moment when you feel indoctrinated to you feel like you're in prison. Yeah. At the end. You feel like you're sitting in there with him.
0: Yep. It's disturbing. What would be in the room 101 with you? Oh. <laughs> probably snakes mine would be snakes i i'm i think mine would be snakes although and those rats were pretty gross i'm i feel like you can get away from the rats yeah. maybe but like the snakes can slither up walls and stuff see like i, don't want I just I can't do snakes okay can't do snakes. anyway moving on um the author's message so the critical analysis of society what stood out in 1984 in this lens okay so i have just a whole list um and I could start with the political extremism. So
1: no matter what you call it, the brotherhood, the party, it's not positive. The words give off a very negative yes. connotation. It's as though you are, be- you are under control.
0: And I love the way he capitalizes those things. Yes, he does. I-, I think that's really effective.
1: Because it's important. And when something is capitalized, it's generally important. It is. It's a name. It demands respect. It, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. My other part was the two minutes of hate. Yeah. So every single day they have this daily ritual of indoctrination and subservience to the government, and it's propaganda. Yeah, and it's just it's an enemy of the people. Mm-hmm. It's it's to show you how much better you are under yep. the watchful eyes of the government. Right. And okay, so here was my my quote: the horrible thing about the two minutes hate was not that one was obliged to act a part, but that it was impossible to avoid joining in. Within 30 seconds, any pretense was also unnecessary. A hideous ecstasy of fear and vindictiveness, a desire to kill, to torture, to smash faces in with a sledgehammer seemed to flow through the whole group of people like an electric current, turning one even against one's will into a grimacing, screaming lunatic. And yet the rage that one felt was an abstract, undirected emotion, which could be switched from one object to another, like the flame of a blow lamp.
0: I just want to crawl inside Orwell's head for a minute.
1: In two minutes, that's what it made you
0: want to do? You got that angry in two minutes? But his writing is so good. Like, it's so good. And in that one quote, like, you understand two minutes hate completely. And. I don't want to say, I dare
1: say respect the fact that it only took two minutes to get that. Usually anger kind of builds, but in two minutes, I don't know. Have you driven a car lately? (laughs) (laughs) Every day. (laughs) So that's, I mean, that's what it feels like. It's just, how do you get that road rage? That's the only thing I can equate it to. You're right. You're right. So, and I think this is still a very visible thing that we see happening today. Uh, I was watching a TV show the other day and might have been about vampires you guys (laughs) and the main character was speaking about the need for tolerance and he said make no mistake there is still much work to be done for history teaches us that war can sound a louder call to action than can peace that a message of hate can seduce an impressionable mind far more readily than a message of love and that two minutes of hate
0: practiced daily in 1984 reminds me a lot of this it does it does so, I think my my analysis, I'm, i I want to continue in this vein, and I want to talk about one of the reasons that Orwell wrote this, and it was really to serve as a satire of totalitarianism. I read in this article that we'll link in the show notes. Um, Orwell said, the moral to be drawn from this dangerous nightmare situation is a simple one. Don't let it happen. It depends on you. And I think that's really interesting that, you know, especially when you look at his his range of work. You look at Animal Farm. You look at 1984. It's a warning. I can't. I can't stop thinking about the word satire, though.
1: I know that it's meant to be that, mm-hmm. but when your writing is that vivid, I know, and invokes such it's a strong terrifying. feeling, yeah, it, it's terrifying. it goes
0: beyond a satire to me, and it starts mm-hmm. to feel like a real life experience, yeah. It's, and that's why I said one of the reasons why I want to crawl into his head, like how do you come up with this? And how do you write in such a way that you feel it? I, I want to know, like did he just sit down and write this all at once? Did he come back to it? Did, I just feel he like he did is- actually because he wrote this when he was dying. He went to I, I read this in that article that we'll link. He went to an island off the coast of Scotland mm-hmm. and he was he was dying and he he sat down on this island he like sequestered himself on this island so he
1: was immersed in it and he wrote this book yes so he that that makes that makes yeah. a lot more sense to me mm-hmm. cuz i don't know how you could go back and forth between real life and something well, like you, this you couldn't obviously so it makes much more sense yeah. that he was immersed in it
0: which is probably one reason why it's so vivid yes because he was there Agreed. this is what he was doing let's well, go i didn't know that
1: yeah all right so what about character representation. So how does Orwell use the characters to convey their message?
0: Oh, this is Winston. This is Winston's transformation. We see it firsthand, how it could happen to somebody. And it was fascinating and absolutely terrifying at the same time. And that's because you can almost feel
1: that moment when things kind of clicked for Winston and he realized that he wasn't getting the whole story from the party. Yep. And that he needed to look somewhere else to figure everything out. Yep. He became inquisitive and started digging into the things. And again, my conspiracy theorist head is going crazy. And I can't help think of the KGB spies and how so many of them end up dead or missing. Yeah. And the whole time Winston was searching for the truth, I think I was waiting on someone from the party to take him out. Yeah. Like that's,
0: I just... Well, and that was another tip. I mean, Orwell, the way he created this whole universe... Mm-hmm that's what he wanted us to to think. We were, right. You're waiting for it to happen, right? But it's really it was fascinating. And I think his his real transformation to me when he when I realized that he was going
1: over that edge, there were two mm-hmm. quotes that stood out and one of them was if there is hope, and this is what Winston wrote in his diary, it lies in the proles mm-hmm. in that that group.
0: Yeah.
1: And also until they become conscious, they will never rebel, and until after they have rebelled, they cannot become conscious. Yeah.
0: Well, it's so good. So that was my... So good. That was my favorite. Okay. So let's talk about the use of language. This is a key part of 1984. And
1: I love turning anything, and I think, into adjectives or verbs, yeah. anything. So the fact that Orwellian became an adjective to describe the language that was popularized by this book, like Big Brother and Doublethink, Thought Police, Newspeak, Thought Crime... A uh,
0: memory hole. I love that one. Two plus two equals five pearls thought criminal. yeah, it's it's so important to the book, but it's really t- amazing to think about after you finish reading it. He made up an entire language. Not only did he make up a place, mm-hmm. a universe, he also made up language to accompany that universe. And I think it's honestly one of the best parts of the 1984 world. It captures the essence of the entire novel, and it is remarkably relevant in today's society. Um, you know, just think about the discussions you could have with students about this one part of the novel, and there are so many of these references that are alive and well in contemporary culture. I mean, you hear Big Brother all the time. I mean, there's a reality show named Big Brother. There is, and you know, people people know what that term means. When you say Big Brother, they know it's government is watching you. Somebody's watching you, right? Um, double think, thought police, even references to Room 101. Uh, they're still relevant in contemporary culture as well as politics. We We went down a rabbit hole yesterday. I didn't know about Room 101, that there are actually hotels that avoid using they, 101 in their numbering. They just skip it. They just skip it because of the reference to... The dungeon, the Mm -hmm. whatever.
1: It's kind of like how they skip the 13th floor
0: in some hotels.
1: So I didn't realize that. The more I Googled that, the more I found out that instead of skipping it, they'll start at like room 102. Yeah. So, and even if you go up to other floors, it's 202. None of the rooms will start at 01. Oh, that's so interesting. Just to keep consistency. And I think it's to not draw people's attention. But yeah. Um,
0: So, apart from the unique language and, and, the references to the book. It's also just some of his phrasing is absolutely stunning. On page 179 of my book, it says, Winston was gelatinous with fatigue. <laughs> like who says that? But it makes perfect sense. Like you think about some some of those times that you're just absolutely exhausted and you don't even know if you can pick your arm up, right? And I think we always try to say like, we don't know if we're mentally exhausted, physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted, this I feel like this describes I'm, all gonna of it. Say, I'm gonna say gelatinous from now yeah, on. Yes. I'm gelatinous with fatigue and it makes perfect sense, especially in the context of the novel. And you can find those moments throughout the book. It really is a masterclass in the use of language. Absolutely. And you can see so many of
1: these phrases in popular movies and everything. Yeah. And I, I think about the thought police in Minority Report. Yeah. So many pull and mm-hmm. they just pull, you don't realize until you read the book. Yeah all right, this movie pulled this phrase. Right. And it's one phrase, but another movie pulls another phrase and they're mm-hmm. constantly pulling from the source material yeah. to create their movies. It's really cool. All right. So we're at that point where character candidates for a spinoff. So what's yours?
0: Okay. So uh, I'm going to be a little vague here. I want to know about the female experience in this society. So Winston's mom and sister, um, Julia, like I, I want to know I want to know more about women in this society. It doesn't sound very fun for women with what we have in the book, but I still want to know more. So it's funny that you say that because
1: when I was researching, I actually found out that Orwell called this book the last man in Europe. Did you know that? I didn't know that. So, but right before publishing he told his publisher that he was playing around with the title 1984 Uh and the publisher voted for 1984 because it would make the book more commercial, more marketable. Uh And I think there's truth in that. If given a choice, I would choose a book called 1984 over the last man in Europe. I agree. I think it opens it up to a broader audience. Uh Um, But I think it would be super neat to write this from a female character's perspective, because you're right. Getting Women are portrayed as simpletons, happy to be confined to the house and to their stories. Mm -hmm. And they're um, air quoting stories again, but that's what they watch on TV. Yeah. Um, So think of like Days of Our Lives and stuff like (laughs) that. So the women are just perfectly happy sitting inside their little houses, not having to think and watching their stories. And I want to know what it would be like if Orwell dropped us
0: in the book from Julia's perspective. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool. So let's talk about critical moments that left us with ideas. I'm going to compare this to the uh, Dante's Inferno rabbit hole that I
1: went down. (laughs) So. Which was a big one. If you haven't listened to that podcast, you may want to. I feel like this book made me think about one thing for dystopian novels. There's always some special book or hidden symbol or something that prevails in these types of novels so if we think about more contemporary novels like the divergent series it was that cube from the founders that the area Dite faction would do anything to get because they believed it would save society which in the end they found out was not the message they were looking for in animal farm it was the commandments that were going to make the animals a stronger society and as time went on though those commandments evolved to a version that was unrecognizable and left the animals wondering what happened to the society they fought so hard for. And when I was researching, I actually came across six elements of dystopian fiction. And I I applied these to several of the dystopian novels that I've read just as an experiment mm-hmm. to see if these were applicable and potentially doable in the classroom. And it was a really fun experience analyzing all these books, using these elements. And I'm not going to go through the the chart, because we would be on here for another 50 minutes, but I will include the results on our show notes, so you guys can take a look at it, but just the commonalities between these dystopian novels is amazing.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Okay, so Ashley and I think the superlative that best fits 1984 is most likely to turn you into a conspiracy theorist. We warned you. (laughs)
1: All right. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Most Likely to Read. Don't forget to check the website for additional resources in the show notes. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and follow us on Twitter at Most Likely to Read. And we'll see you guys next time.